Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Glittercast. I'm Renee Watt, a professional psychic, witch, and your host. Today, I'm bringing you the second part of my conversation with Cassandra Peterson, who you also know as the Queen of Halloween, Elvira. In this part of our conversation, we talk about all things manifestation, including some pretty insane stories that she has on the topic and her own personal tips and tricks when it comes to manifesting her dreams, and her destiny. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Once I wrap up the conversation with Cassandra, I'm going to take you guys through my own personal manifestation practices and leave you guys with hopefully some new tips so that you can up your own manifestation game. Now, on to the show. God, no, one day I was walking down the street and uh, I had jumped up and I went to walk my dogs and of course I hadn't, you know, brushed my hair, done anything. I looked like a complete slob. (laughs) And of course I run into Brad. (laughs) He is everyone's nightmare. Oh, he's he's in his garage and he has the the doors open and he's training. He bought several houses around it. He bought back the ballroom when when the people died. Then he bought what used to be the greenhouse when the people moved out. So he bought all the original buildings and put them all, you know, back on yeah. the property. So it's really great. He, yeah, no, that's could do that. it could just be restored to its original sort yeah, of glory. Exactly. So he was in the um, the greenhouse area with the garage. And anyway, he's in there with no shirt on, <gasps> just sweatpants, and he's punching a punching bag. Oh my gosh. And I, I literally, I couldn't talk. I mean, I, I turned red and I was sweating. And, he, and he's like, Hi, Cassandra, how are you? <laughs> I'm trying to talk. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like that. I'm sure he thought it was completely normal. I think that's mm. probably how he just thinks women act. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh God. I was always, I, yeah, I, you know, it was a bummer. I had to, I had to do makeup and fix my hair to take my dogs on a walk every day. Cause I yeah, knew if I didn't, if she... I would run into him. <laughs> that was the only way to be sure is if you didn't do it, you would, you would see yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. It's like washing your car and, and when it's going to rain, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, he was a great neighbor, and he's a really great guy. Sweet, sweet guy. Aww. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, oh, I, I kept thinking about how, too, with the um, with the girl who had drowned in the pool, the fact that she was sort of like a showgirl. Because you kind of had like a – you sort of had like your showgirl days, right, in Vegas? Yeah, I did. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, I was a Vegas showgirl. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, these are all the little, like, synchronicities mm. and correlations. When you were in, I don't I don't, like, so I know that when you were in Vegas and you were doing your showgirl thing that you kind of, like, f- for a while, rumor is that, like, went on a couple dates with Elvis. I did. It was, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I date, I don't know what to call it. Uh, I was 17, mm-hmm. so there wasn't much hanky-panky going on. Right. Because, uh. Boy, Elvis was surrounded by all his his guys, you know, twenty four seven. I mean, and the last thing, you know, yeah, they would not, <laughs> nobody was going to let that happen. So they were like policing the situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we had a fantastic. We had a whole 
gigantic evening into the next day talking, talking about everything and singing together and I just like learning about his life and him and he was very, very into spirituality. I don't know if you if nobody knows that, but uh, he was a super believer in in all kinds of things. I mean, he wrote this little letter for me, which I'm desperately trying to find. I yeah. have, I have it. I know I put it in a way a bo- in a box somewhere, but um, explaining to me about things like spiritual things about numerology and and even when I told him that I had seen him in the movie Viva Las Vegas and that was my my incentive to go to Vegas and be a showgirl. Yeah. Um, and he was saying, you know. There are no coincidences. I don't believe in them. Yeah. And it, this was actually, you know, the path you're chosen to go on. But and he he talked about that. And um, he was a big proponent of like Ernest Holmes. Have you ever heard of Ernest Holmes? It's he, he was uh, gosh, I, what year? Early 1900s, I think. But uh-huh. his books are gigantic bestsellers. But it's basically uh, about setting your mind on something and creating it, manifesting it. Right. And that's always what I believed in. And I had read all the same books. And uh, in fact, when I was writing my autobiography, I was with Pamela DeBars, who wrote the book, I'm with the band. Mm -hmm. And I was telling her, have you ever read this book by Ernest Holmes? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, honey, are you kidding? She goes, you know, that book is on the desk, uh, Elvis's desk in Graceland. Oh, my gosh. You are kidding me. Uh, But, you know, so we all had that kind of belief that sort system. of system yeah and I, uh, and it really it really helped me and, and I mean and then he told me you know I should go on I should get out of Vegas I should be a singer and I was like yes sir you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whatever you say did you feel did you kind of feel like you maybe manifested that when you when you had watched him oh, in positive, this movie positively 100% I mean okay think about it I'm I'm this young girl this teenager in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I go to see Viva Las Vegas, the movie with him and Anne Margaret. And I loved it. I always had been a huge Elvis fan. My parents were huge Elvis fans. My first present I ever remembered getting, and I was probably five. I have a picture of me dancing. Uh, I mean, a video, not a video, but a movie, a, an eight millimeter movie of me dancing to it the night I got it. Oh my it. gosh. Um, they gave me a record player and the single, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. And so from the time I was like five years old, I was like an Elvis freak. And so were my parents. Um, so anyway, I go to see Elvis's, all of Elvis's movies and I buy all of his albums. And so when I saw Viva, uh, Viva Las Vegas, I just began obsessing about that movie. <laughs> I wanted to be like the Anne Margaret to Elvis, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I got in my head and you know, here, like like I said, here I was in junior high. You know, you know, yeah. small town, um, and t- started dreaming about being a showgirl in Las Vegas. Deciding that's where I'm going to go. That's what I'm going to do, and obsessing about this movie. I mean, really, <laughs> kind of in a creepy way. I thought yeah. about it all day, dreamed about it, daydreamed about it, watched it a million times, yeah. listened to the record all day. And four years later, when I was 17, let's see, then I was about 13, 13, 14, five years later, I end up going to Vegas on a vacation with my parents. We're at the Dunes Hotel. Long story short, they asked me if I want to be in the show. They hire me the next day, and I became the youngest showgirl in Las Vegas at the age of 17, and my show was called Viva Lake Girls. Oh, wow. 
and then I meet Elvis and have that experience with him. I meet Anne Margaret. Oh my God, uh, seriously? Yeah, and I've, I've run into her and talked to her many, many times over the years. I just adore her. Does she know that you're like, that, oh that yeah, I told like her this the story. Like I wanted to be you. Yeah, and she <laughs> said she she was kind of mad. She said, "Oh, I feel bad that I made you like run away from home and you know leave home and go to Las Vegas." And I said, "No, don't feel bad. It turned yeah, out really me? good. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so so it was yeah. It, I, that come on, is that just a coincidence no, or? I what? mean, that's like. That's a real, that would be a really insane coincidence. I mean, it's a really insane, either way, it's insane. Even if it's manifestation, it's insane. Because you were just on vacation. Yeah, with my mom and dad for spring vacation. When I was like, a, a senior, in my senior year of high school, I was about to graduate. Mm-hmm. We're on a spring vacation. I begged my parents to take me into one of those shows. And they go, you can't get in there, you know? And they go, hey, no worries, I have a fake ID. <laughs> <laughs> is this the first and, time they're hearing about this? Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> and I said, I said, I'm going to dress up and I'll look really sophisticated. So I like plop a wiglet on my head. Oh my gosh. And I put on my Fredericks of Hollywood push-up bra. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I go in there and I guess I had so much makeup and so much hair and so much cleavage that the first thing the maitre d' said to me is, oh, you must be a showgirl in one of the shows here. Oh my God. And I was like, uh, 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 no. And I was just afraid I was going to be arrested for, right? you know, being underage mm-hmm. in a place. Um, so, yeah, then th- they go back. They get the dance mistress. She comes out. She says, could you come back here? Do you know how to dance? I said, yes, I'm a dancer. Uh, well, we're auditioning tomorrow for a show. Mm-hmm. And would you go meet the producer tomorrow morning? And I did. He hired me. And then my parents drug me screaming and kicking back to the rest of the vacation to California um, oh. and saying there was no way in hell I was going to dance around stage half naked. <laughs> and eventually I wore them down. Let me tell you. Yeah. Literally almost wore them down. So just a few months later I was back and I was doing the show. And they still like they, they, they honored their mm. offer to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they were, they called every, every week and said, they gave my parents the contract. My, Parents took it to a lawyer. Now they called every week and said, you know, are you doing the show? Are you doing the show? You have, we have to get a yes or no. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. so, per- like, I mean, I feel like in show business, that kind of persistence doesn't really exist unless they like really want, <laughs> really I know. want someone. It was pretty weird. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what to chalk it up to, but I've had so many experiences that feel like I met, I mean, that just cannot be coincidences. Like, like when I met, when I told you about the Brad Pitt thing. Yeah. Okay, I was nine months pregnant. Yeah. I was had just seen Legends of the Fall, and I was dreaming about Brad Pitt every <laughs> night. I don't know uh, if you haven't been pregnant, you don't know that. <laughs> uh, you're, you're Your pretty, dreams like, get weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> get weird, and you're pretty horny. Legends of the Fall. <laughs> yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> so I'm dreaming about Brad Pitt every single night, dreaming, dreaming, thinking about him. Oh my God, it was, and. Uh, uh, I didn't tell my husband that part, but uh, <laughs> then the doorbell rings one day, just like ding dong, Brad Pitt, and uh, and I, I say uh, hi, who's there? I mean, I couldn't see our gate was a long ways away with this big spider web metal <gasps> gate. I love that. That was I a long, long ways from the front door, so we had a buzzer, and I go, who's there? And he goes, oh hi, it's Brad Pitt, and I'm like, ah, ha, 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 sure, yeah, ha, ha. who is it really? He goes, no, really, it's Brad Pitt. And I started thinking it was my writing partner, John Paragon. And I'm like, funny, John, ha, ha, really funny. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, it's really, it's Brad Pitt. 
So I go, uh, okay, just a minute. He was really insistent about being Brad Pitt. Yeah. And I think, okay, there's the axe murderer down there who's right. ready to kill me when I, when I go see who it is. So I, like, trundle down there. My, you know, I'm gigantic. <laughs> and and uh, when I get down to the gate, there's Brad Pitt. I mean, okay, you think about Brad Pitt, and then Brad Pitt just shows that up doesn't at your happen. door. I mean, does it happen? <laughs> does it? And it was so funny, he said Nicolas Cage, who I had known Nicholas for a long time, and he lived right up the street. And he said, Nicholas Cage told me about this house and said I had to come and see it. You know, would you mind giving me a tour of it? And I go, mind? Yeah, right. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So he came over. Do you mind if I just take some pictures while we do? <laughs> yeah. And then he came back two or three times, and we showed him all these old pictures from the 1900s, early 1900s about the house and we showed him the clippings and we told him the haunted house stories and all that and and then uh, one day we get a call from his lawyer saying brad would like to buy your house and we're like oh well that's fantastic but we're not selling we're staying here and i'm nine months pregnant i'm about ready to have a baby i don't really want to move yeah (laughs) no totally and um they up the price and then they up the price again and, and the third time we go okay we're moving wow yeah but the funny thing, I also had, okay, I'm just yakking. I know, I want you to. <laughs> another, <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> another story with, with Nicolas Cage speaking. I mean, these are just random things. I was in the Palace, which is a nightclub up here in Hollywood. Do you know it? On Vine. It was uh, used to be, I don't know. It was, I don't know what the hell it was. But anyway, right. it's called the Palace. Oh, and wow. and um, it's on Vine Street right near Sunset and or near Hollywood. And um, um. I was in there, and I had just seen Moonstruck. Okay, mm-hmm. I've got to be careful what movies I see. <laughs> I really do. I had just seen Moonstruck, and I had become pretty obsessed with Nicolas Cage, who okay. was really, really hot in that movie. If you haven't seen it, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he was really young then and, and super hot. And he had this big, giant tattoo of a lizard on his back. I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if that's real. So <laughs> I'm sitting there with my best friend, and I'm telling her, oh, my God, I can't stop thinking about this. This is years before the Brad thing. Right. I can't stop thinking about Nicolas Cage. I'm just like, oh, my God, I just keep watching that movie. I'm so obsessed with him. And all of a sudden, her eyes go up, and her eyes got about as big as saucers, and her mouth (laughs) dropped open. And I felt a hand on my shoulder, and I wheeled around, and it was Nicolas Cage. And he said, can I buy you ladies a drink? Whoa. Yes. So then you just, like, had it. Yeah, and, and then he did. He buzzed, well, said, well, we're here with our husbands. So yeah, but still. Not. But then he, he and I kept in contact, and we did a magazine uh, article together where I, I interviewed him, and he interviewed me. And, and um, we hung out. We went to all sorts of places in Hollywood and re- really had fun. I really had a great time with him. But, um, yeah, so we became friends, and then later he moved up near my near my house, so he was like a neighbor. A neighbor, mm-hmm. yeah. But... Uh, I mean, does that happen either when you're thinking about, I mean, okay, it is Hollywood, but still, I keep I know, I think that crazy. sounds like, I'm like, I'm just like, oh, you, so you're just a witch without having to put in any effort. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think those are the biggest manifestations that ever happened to me, but, um, well, besides, I, I was reading my diaries the other day and I found a page that said, okay, I'm leaving Las Vegas now because Elvis told me I should. Now I have no idea what I'm going to do with my the rest of my life. Oh, maybe I'll just go to Hollywood and be a become a star. 
I love that's just like so blase. Just I know. like I'm gonna get. Go. I went like maybe I'll just be go to Hollywood and become a star. So I I just cut that page out. I'm actually printing it to put in my Aww. autobiography. But I mean, that's a good manifestation. That kind of worked out for me. It makes me think about because so like when you do when you are practicing witchcraft like one of the very common practices is to write down sort of like what your intentions are and what it is that you want to manifest and so it just like makes me think that something was happening where you were just sort of like your journal was like your spell book in some ways it is well it was you know the Ernest Holmes thing going back to that which you really must read some of his books uh when I read his book I was at a real real low point in my life um I was an actress I was almost 29 years old, 28, 29. I was getting nowhere, just yeah. getting bit parts. I was just barely paying my rent every month and driving a crappy old car that yeah. kept breaking down and living in a crappy apartment and all that. And um, I got this Ernest Holmes book. I can't remember who gave it to me, but he had a thing in there about write down what your intentions are. I really wanted to meet someone. I could never find a boyfriend. That yeah. You know, I was just... It was always just one night stand sort of things. Right, nothing I was yeah. really interested in. And and um, I I really wanted, you know, I'm, I'm pushing 30. I'm thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, I got to get married someday. So he said to write down your intentions every night on a piece of paper and be very, very specific about what kind of person you want to meet. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I wrote down very detailed, like, uh, uh, what I wanted in, in a husband, you know. Mm-hmm. And fold it up and sleep with it under your pillow. Aww. And I did that every single night. And, and when you wake up in the morning, read it. The first thing you wake up when you're still kind of in a state of... Like that. You know, not quite awake. Yeah. Not quite like when you got here. When you <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like when I just got here. <laughs> it's true. Oh. Um, and uh, I did that. I did that. And I, I met my husband right after that. And he was just we like checked off. Married. And I knew... I knew the minute that the first night we were together, I, I looked at him and I said, this is who I'm going to marry. Aww. And it just like, boing. did you feel like you like felt, do you feel like when you made those lists that you felt something and then it like sort of correlated with when you met him? I did. It's more about feeling. It's mm-hmm. more about feelings. You know, you've got to feel every, it's emotions. Um, I don't know, did you know about Abraham? Uh, Abraham is an entity that, that, uh, <laughs> is channeled by these people and gives advice. I, I really, really love to hear this stuff about Abraham, but it's about feeling, feelings and emotion. It's not about saying, I want this, I yeah. want that. It's about feeling it, desiring it, feeling the feel of, ha- the feeling of having it, feeling the feeling of being there and really, truly believing. And it happens. I think that creates more openness than... Like, because you, emotion does open you up to something, like some sort of other energy. That's why, like, you feel an emotion. It's not like you think an emotion. And so I think that, like, it's like you said with that, like, I want this, I want this. You're almost, like, cutting off the energy and, like, setting a boundary in some way. Because I don't think the universe really responds that well to entitlement. I want a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone, like, no one responds to entitlement. You have to, like, have that sort of, like, purity of heart, I think. Yeah, I I do, too. And, And I mean, really, really accepting and believing that you have it you know and I mean yeah and, and I think that's kind of how those movies made me feel you know kind of uh 
seeing a film about it, it really, and seeing it over and over multiple times really gets it in your head, you know? Yeah. Well, then you like channel the frequency of that energy, I think. And if you look at like the law of attraction, it's sort of like yeah. you just sort of start to like find that same vibration exactly. and kind of like swim into each other's spaces. It is all about law of attraction. That's what Ernest Holmes was about. And it, and it's, it's uh, vibrating on the same vibration level of the thing you want. Yeah. And how do you do that? Only with emotions and feelings. No, not with uh, words or brain thinking thoughts, you know. That's when it's like, it gets tricky though because sometimes you're oh, like oh it gets very tricky i want to be pissed off right now but then it's like what am i bringing in if i'm getting like pissed off about something like yeah it, you have to be careful of what you think because mm -hmm. uh obviously uh, as you can see and i'm sure you've heard about a million times and i know it's true people can manifest very very bad things in their life mm -hmm. they're you know people who uh well for example my my mother's mother went to a fortune teller a gypsy fortune teller who had come through uh, their town when she was little, and uh, the fortune teller. I guess, I guess, my mom's mom did not pay her as much as she wanted or something. But she said that she, you're going to die before Christmas. Now, I mean, I don't know what kind of fortune teller tells you that, but right. She said you're going to die before Christmas, and they left there and you know angry and blah blah blah. And um, uh, this was this was a, a couple months before Christmas. And uh, about two weeks before Christmas, my mom's mother fell over. She was vacuuming the house and fell over from a brain aneurysm. Oh, my gosh. And died. So that was when my mom was like nine years old, I think. Aww. Yeah. So she lost her mom. But, you know, believing things. Yeah. And I'm sure you've heard many examples of people telling people stuff and then you get it in your head and mm -hmm. or, oh I'm gonna die when I'm 39 I know I'm gonna die when and then they die when they're 39 yeah I mean it's kind of hard too because it's like I have a like I have a friend who has chronic health issues and she's always worried about her health issues and she's always like worried about how to fix it and, and I've asked her before I was like are you sometimes worried that you manifest it and she was like yeah but I don't I don't know how to like I can't prove that I am and I can't prove that I'm not and I don't know how to mm -hmm. like change that, but sh like, you know. Surely, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's the problem with a lot of people. It's, uh, I mean, it's even talking to friends and getting into that, oh, I feel terrible, I've got this pain, I've got that pain, I don't mm -hmm. have any money, I can't pay my rent. If you keep saying that, saying that, and repeating it and thinking about it and feeling it, you're just gonna keep getting more of the same. That's you know? true. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, it's a, you, I, you know, I don't know. I wish I had the key to tell people this is how you do it. But, yeah, um, <laughs> I wish you did, too, because you got some crazy powers. <laughs> I know. And, you, you know, you have to be very, very careful of what you think and what you feel. You really do. Yeah, I think that's true. And it's hard to get a, it's hard to get a handle on, especially if you do have the odds stacked against you or your situation stacked against you. But I think that having a positive mindset or even like catching yourself when you're like I always tell people as an example is if you're feeling really tired and you're thinking, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, you have to change it to, I have enough energy to get through this. Yeah, yeah. like, I'm like, I'm, I'll perk up, like, it's fine, like, I'll get there, like, it has to, like, be, like, an encouragement. Yeah, no, you really do, and and when it's something, a, more of a long-term goal or whatever, and writing it down is so important, making a list, being super yeah. specific, 
one of the things that always uh, I remembered in this book again, I'm, I'm like, I wish I was getting a kickback on Ernest Holmes. Right. Books, yeah. But, um, <laughs> was it, he said, it's like, uh, if you're a, uh, it's like being a boat in the middle of, say you're in the middle of, uh, you know, the ocean and you're in a boat and you don't have a compass or you don't have a destination in mind. You're just floating aimlessly around. Yeah. You've got to, so your life, uh, I took that one really to heart. And he said, you have to be, the more specific you can be what you want, the better it is. It's like your map is telling you, go exactly here. Right. Don't go like, I'll go to Italy. You know, go mm-hmm. to Italy, go to San Remo, go to this particular hotel, you know what yeah. I mean? Be really specific. And after reading that, um, I always knew I wanted to be in show business, but I kept um, saying, oh, I don't know exactly what I want to be. I like, I like dancing. I like singing and I like acting, but, and I like doing comedy, but I, I don't know, you know? And after reading that, I wrote, I decided, I made up my mind that I was no longer going to take any acting jobs, any singing, any dramatic parts, I was only, only going to do comedy, period. That was it. If I got another job offer, I was always leaving LA going on the road with comedy, mm-hmm. with, with the singing and dancing groups. Right. And I was getting nowhere. Then I'd come back to Hollywood, start over, trying to look for an agent, trying to get headshots. Right. I did that about three or four times. It was like, I'm getting nowhere, man. I'd go out and I'd make some money, you know, for a little while, come back and be able to support myself. But when I honed in and I wrote it down and I wrote, I am going to be an actor, a comedy actor. Mm-hmm. That is when, well, the next day I literally went out and joined the Groundlings. Yeah. And went in the Groundlings school, got into the Groundlings eventually and um, and decided, you know, that's what I'm going to be, a comedian. And when I did that, things started happening. So it was, you've got to be very specific about what you want. Yeah. And write it down. And look at it often. <laughs> <laughs> did you think that writing things, or did you notice that writing things on that list um, and having it be something that you slept with affected your dreams? Hmm. You know, I don't I don't remember, to tell you the truth. I remember dreaming a lot about Viva, Le- Viva Las Vegas <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. I was always dreaming about it at night, and then I was dreaming about it, daydreaming about it in the day. I always, it was a big daydreamer. I was always in getting in trouble because they'd call on me. I'd go, what? Huh? Uh, you know, um, but I don't remember. I, I don't remember really. I could have, but I, I may not. Have. Yeah. It was a long time ago. I guess what matters too is that the manifestation reality versus the actual dream. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I think it's just, I think <clears throat> dreaming about it, if you, if you think about it enough, you may dream about it at night. And I think dreaming about it c- couldn't hurt, you mm-hmm. know, um, because it can, trigger you to have feelings right you know yeah no totally and then that's sort of where the juice comes in at yeah i mean you know it, have you, you've woken up and you've had an awful dream and you feel scared or that you happened feel icky recently or, yeah, yeah that's that sleep paralysis Ooh. yeah i was like i gotta cleanse this house it's like <laughs> Ugh, creepy <laughs> yeah yeah no i've had dreams I mean, i'm sure you were woken up and you're angry at somebody you know <laughs> yeah you wake up and you're like pissed off at them yeah and in then the dream to, they cheated on you yeah, or something <laughs> then you have to unpack it and like be like okay you're like you don't have a reason to actually be mad about this like yeah. you gotta like calm down right but it, it's feelings you know again it's emotion yeah i'm so. curious i wanted to ask you this one last thing before i let you go because we've almost been 
Yeah, two days um, here. I never showed up. Yeah. See? <laughs> no, no, no. I won't <laughs> let you talk. For, I don't want to hold you up. <laughs> no. okay. um, I'm curious if you think that people can sort of um, <coughs> manifest good or bad things for someone else. Mm, mm, like mm. cursing someone or think, like yeah. directing thoughts good or bad at someone, if that could have an effect, what you think about that? Well, I personally believe that directing bad curses at people can backfire mm-hmm. on you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always thought, even if you really hate that person, don't wish that they were dead or don't wish them to yeah. have something bad or, you know, obsess with it too much because it'll come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always felt that way. Now, good things, I definitely, I, I think it, I think it works. And if, if you wish good things for people, that it will have a good effect on you too. Yeah. I mean, and, and if somebody you know is ill and you wake up in the morning and you see them, you see them being well, you see them perfect, you imagine them full of energy and happiness and light, yeah. th- that that will happen. And the worst that could happen there is it'll happen to you. Yeah, yeah. That, no, yeah. that's true. It's a really good way to think about it because there's plenty of good thoughts to go around like it's not anything that's in short supply so you might as well plus I think it's like I don't know anytime you fixate on being angry at someone else it just sort of like takes away energy from yourself that could be productive that could be sort of like channeled in a better direction yeah it is that's why there there are plenty of people I'd like to curse believe me yeah <laughs> mostly in the government right now yeah but, I've actually well I've uh, done that even though I'm like I yeah, have two okay yeah I'm like so we we can agree there's one person yeah that yeah 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 <laughs> I, I have been guilty of doing that yeah but not so much wishing they would die as just wishing they'd go to hell <laughs> yeah right exactly yeah so yeah there's that. Uh, well, this was so, so much fun. I'm so glad I finally got Thanks. to hear your haunted house story <laughs> and all your witchy things. I didn't know that about the, um, the pillowcase thing. That was really cool. Thank you for sharing that with me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you, I've got those books at home and, uh, I will loan, I will loan them to you. If yeah, you'd like no, to. totally. I would love I that. I love them. I've loaned them to so many people. They're really kind of dog-eared and a mess, but, oh. but they're, um, they're, they're very old timey because they were written in like, I don't know what year, early 1900s. So the, the language is really old timey. They're a little I hard. I like to, that. I like it too. It's a little charming. Some people, I tried to get my niece to read it. She just couldn't get down with it. <laughs> she was like, no. Yeah. There's no, like, there's, there aren't enough memes in this book. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they, I, I tell you, they changed my life. They really did. Yeah. And obviously Elvis, um, if you read, if you read, uh, some books about Elvis, they'll talk about how his spirituality led him in different directions and really kind of brought him out of this uh, deep hole he was in after getting out of the army and stuff and his oh, career had pretty yeah. much failed and that these books and the people that he was with, they were really spiritual uh, and not, not religious, but yeah, no, spiritual. There's a difference, less uh, dogma. Yeah, uh, got him back on track and he'll, he, you can find plenty about that. Uh, um, about Elvis and, and that going on. So, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely want to, I definitely want to borrow the books that gave you the philosophy to manifest uh, like your crazy, <laughs> amazing life and career. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will definitely loan them to you. Awesome. Um, well, I wanted to give you the opportunity if you had anything that you wanted to promote to just sort of like, if you have any 
Oh, good heavens. Let's see. I wish I had more to promote right now with, <laughs> with uh, the whole pandemic going on. You know. And and this Halloween is going to be kind of <laughs> depressing. I've kind of put everything off until next year. Yeah. All my big things that I have coming out, like uh, my autobiography was going to come out this year. But if I can't travel it's, and promote it, ugh, it's just, you know, be yeah. dead. DOA. It's going to be such a good book. I was like, the parts that I've seen, I'm so excited for it to come out. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I I, um, I am working on a video that's going to be fun, and it will be out before this Halloween. So oh, I'm, awesome. I'm working away really hard on that. So that's going to be coming up. So look for that. Just uh, go to Elvira.com. Perfect. And you can find all my uh, social media connections right there on, on my home yeah. page. Yeah, your Instagram's got some fun stuff going on all the time too yeah it's a it's a, it's a lot of stuff so it's fun but this is a it's a little slow right now as you know yeah everyone's just yeah all right well thank you again thank you so much you're welcome i'm glad we finally did this me too fun. i know yeah awesome. all right okay bye. bye that concludes my interview with cassandra peterson but the party's not ending yet because i want to talk to you guys about manifestation your own personal manifestation and things that you can do to help sort of up the ante on manifesting your dreams. And I feel like the word manifestation is going to become redundant throughout this remainder of this episode. And I'm sorry, I don't know how to remedy that. I'll try to, I'll try not to overuse the word. All right. So when it comes to my own sort of manifestation techniques, to be honest, it is always going to vary. Sometimes uh, if you're a person who is interested in, in meditation or who practices meditation, I think that a good thing to do is just to sort of get into the zone where you're in that sort of meditative space and visualize in a bubble above your head, sort of where your crown chakra is. Visualize the thing that you're trying to pull in. If this is a new job, then you need to visualize yourself actually working, breathing, eating, lunch at that job and just sort of everything that you could possibly want in terms of, you know, where you're looking to take your career. If this is, you know, a romantic situation or a love situation, uh, I would try not to focus on a specific person because you can mess up your own psyche. Just speaking from personal experiences, it's not a great idea to put love spells on people. Most of the time you're going to mess yourself up more than you mess the other person up. So, Try to avoid it. Okay, so if you're going to look at sort of the meditation bubble that we've created, I want you to get a good picture of what it is that you're trying to draw in in that bubble and then start to attach little energetic cords, almost like it's a balloon and the string on the balloon comes down and wraps itself around your wrist or your finger and it just starts to sort of attach to your body. And the concept around this is you are basically aligning what you want with your own personal energy and you're creating pathways to let this energy come in. Once you've attached what feels like a good amount of, you know, cords to this dream, to this thing you're trying to manifest, then I would begin to pull the strings down, try to pull that bubble down so that it's coming in through the top of your head through your head, your neck, your shoulders, you know how the body works, coming all the way through your body so that you're completely engulfed and living in this dream. And try to try to pay attention to what your energy feels like, how your emotions shift, and 
try to actually, you know, find ways to feel grateful for this thing that you know without a shadow of a doubt is coming. I will say that if you are going to take a meditative approach towards manifestation, to keep a pen and paper next to you. I know it seems kind of unconventional to be taking notes while you meditate, but I do it all the time. I think it's totally acceptable to snap out of whatever state you're in for a moment so that you can write down an epiphany and, you know, use it to help you find clarity later. I've had times where I was doing a manifestation meditation and all of a sudden I saw basically the phase, a specific phase of the moon. So I, I, you know, drew the little crescent moon that I saw. And then I looked on my moon calendar, my moon tracker app to see what date is that. And then on that day, I knew I could expect something, some sort of opportunity around that manifestation goal to occur. And I'm not saying this is how it's going to manifest for everybody, but it's a good idea to just be prepared. And if you don't take any notes, don't feel bad. Just either you do or you don't. It doesn't change things one way or the other. Uh, I always recommend putting out a little offering if you're going to be doing a manifestation meditation or candle work, because it's just sort of showing the other side that you don't take them for granted and that you are willing to offer something in exchange for the thing that you want. It's just, uh, it's, it's a respect thing. And it's also an exchange thing because, you know, so much in life is an exchange and it's really not always that different spiritually. So when it comes to offerings, there are some things, you know, there are a bunch of different things you can play with. For me, you know, I really like to use red wine because I had a grandma who drank red wine every night and it's sort of a nod to her But it's also really common with a lot of deities and it's kind of an ancient practice that you gave wine or you gave a spirit, you know, and by spirit, I mean alcohol of some sort to the spirits. Uh, Vodka, I'm also big on whiskey. I like to leave alcohol out for my guides. Alternatively, you could, especially if it's some sort of a love spell that you're trying to do or a love meditation, something like milk or if you're vegan, almond milk and honey or again, if you're vegan, agave. And sort of mix that up. I also like to put dried rose petals in that sort of a concoction. And that's just a nice thing to leave out, especially if you're trying to attract sweetness into your life. Now, when you're done with your candle work, which I'll explain a little bit more what that might look like, or your meditation, leave leave the offering out overnight and then dump it or dump it on the ground or bury it the next day, whichever you prefer. But don't drink anything that you leave out as an offering and don't flush it down the toilet or dump it down the drain or anything like that. Give it to the earth. Now, if you want to get a little bit more ritualistic and bring some candles into your manifestation, I like to choose a color based off of what my intention is. But if you're not quite that advanced yet, then it's totally okay to use white for any sort of spell that you're trying to attract. Black is more so if you're trying to send something away. Things that you want to keep in mind when you're doing some sort of a candle magic spell is what exactly is it that I'm trying to accomplish? Is there something standing in my way that I'm aware of? So let's say you're trying to get a promotion, but all of these weird little hiccups keep sort of finding their way to your path or you're trying to get a you're trying to get a work visa in another country, but all these you know, all these little bureaucratic things keep like snafus keep messing with your plans. That would be a good time to do a road opener spell. 
And the idea of a road opener spell is that you're removing obstacles from your path that are stopping you from reaching a specific goal. So if you feel like that's the case, then I would do a road opener spell versus like a drawing in spell or a banishing spell. And a road opener spell, I think it's a good thing to do every few months anyway, just to keep the flow of opportunity with you. And traditionally, you can use either a white or an orange candle for this. And you can get really elaborate with how you want to go about this. But for me, I usually just take a little bit of coconut oil with some cinnamon or some cinnamon essential oil, and I slather the candle with it without, you know, I don't really pay attention to Am I, am I drawing in or am I drawing out? Because I don't really know necessarily where the obstacles are coming from. I'm just looking for that, that cinnamon to sort of break up the obstacles. I think of the cinnamon as little sticks of dynamite that is just sort of blowing away anything that's in your path that's not, that's just preventing you from being where you want to be at. And just let it, you know, let it burn all the way through. I usually get like the five inch chime candles for that reason, because I don't want to be babysitting a candle for seven days. But if it's like a big heavy duty ritual, then you may want to consider a larger seven day candle. We'll have a whole candle magic episode at some point because there's a lot that goes into it. And I just want to sort of give you guys the bullet points of what you can do. Now, when it comes to preparing your candle, I kind of went over this with the house cleansing demonstration or walkthrough that I gave. But if you're banishing or even just cleaning your candle, you want to anoint the candle or if, it, if it's like a cleansing thing that you're doing, um, you would wipe the candle down with salt water. So if you're trying to push out energy or push something out of your life, you're going to anoint from wick to base. Now, if you're trying to pull something in, I would first cleanse your candle and you can do this with sea salt by, you know, wiping it down from base to wick or just by saging the candle. That's fine too. Uh, but traditionally I will, you know, or typically I will do some sort of cleansing on my candle. And then I'll think about whatever it is that I want to draw in. If I'm trying to draw in money, I'll usually use a green candle uh, because, you know, hello, green's the color of money, but also because green is also affiliated with the heart chakra which, you know, that can help alleviate any sort of fears or emotional blockages that you're having towards making money at the moment. I will sort of caution that if you are going to do a money spell, that you need to be prepared to work harder. So don't necessarily cast a money spell and then have an extremely busy schedule because you're going to (laughs) need kind of a flexible schedule so that you can take on whatever work is coming your way. If I do a spell around communication, like if I'm, you know, wanting a podcast episode to go well, or if I have a public speaking event, then I would use an orange candle because it's affiliated with the planet Mercury or a blue candle because it's affiliated with the throat chakra. So these are sort of examples of why there's a significance between the different sort of colors that you use. I also really don't want anyone to get hung up on that. I think... You know, if you just want to use a white candle, especially if you, I think that when it comes to candle magic and witchcraft, a lot of people feel really overwhelmed, like they don't know where to stop. And it's like, well, you know what, just get a white candle and it's fine. You know, the thing that matters is that you're communicating to the universe what it is that you want. If you're going to be doing a candle magic, you've you've dressed your candles, you've picked, you know, your colors and all that sort of thing. The next step would be to take a piece of paper 
and write down what's called a petition. A petition is sort of the purpose of your spell, what you're trying to bring in or what you're trying to release and no longer have to deal with anymore. Now, if it's a spell where you're drawing in, once you've written your petition, you want to tear it towards you, towards your body. Four times is sort of the traditional way to do things, but I also think if you want to just tear the purple twice, that's fine. Now, once you've done that, then you're going to want to either burn the paper or place it face down under the candle and let the candle burn down completely. When you're done, you can burn the paper or you can bury it, but you don't want to flush the paper or do anything like that unless it's a banishing spell and then you can kind of flush it because you don't, you're not really going to be showing a whole lot of like respect to something that you're getting rid of. Now, if it is a banishing spell, if it's something that you no longer want in your life, then I pretty much do the same thing, except I tear the paper uh, away from my body because I'm pushing things out. I'm pushing it away. I no longer want it in my space. I no longer want it in my energy. Then I'll either burn it or, you know, put the papers upside down under my candle and bury, you know, bury it the next day. Always have an offering out if you're going to be doing candle magic. Again, this can be alcohol, milk, food, depending on what's available to you and what just feels right to use. I always think that our intuition will sort of give us the right idea about how we're supposed to be performing our magic. So never second guess yourself. It's one of the things that I actually kind of hear quite often when I'm dealing with clients or if I'm dealing with people who listen to my podcasts, there can be an anxiety around whether or not you're doing a spell right. And some people have anxieties about casting a spell because they're worried about what else they're going to call in. And to be honest, you're probably not going to call anything that you're not trying to call in. (laughs) If you are worried though, if you are worried about you know, what sort of energies you're messing with, then I recommend casting a protection circle before you do any candle work. And you can do this by, you know, sitting down, you know, in a comfortable position, like you're going to meditate. And depending on the level of pageantry you'd like to use, you can sort of make a circle of your, you know, of white candles around yourself and you can sprinkle salt from candle to candle. This is what I'm, this is what I do when I have like hardcore seances. And also what I used to do when I was like 13 and had a baby coven with all my junior high friends. Anyway, this is going to be a protective energetic barrier and sit down, get in your, get into your comfortable position. If you have candles, if you don't have candles, it doesn't really matter. It's more about your comfort level, but just sort of close your eyes and visualize yourself in the room that you're in. Basically try to keep Try to bring in a visual so it would be like if your eyes were open, but really they're closed and you're just sort of seeing things with your mind's eye or with your third eye. And for a lot of people that you'll see this from almost an elevated position. So it's like you're looking down on yourself, but however you see it is fine. It's valid. It's your experience. You don't have to like live up to some sort of standard or expectation. You just have to do the work and believe in yourself basically. Once you have this imagery in your head of the room that you're in and you being in it, the more detail that you can bring in great, you know, that's a a really good foundation for developing your clairvoyance, but if you're in your clairsentience too, uh, really any sort of psychic ability will be heightened by a meditation that has you trying to pull in detail. That's not necessarily something you can see with your eyes because they're closed. Anyway, you should then begin to Picture a ball of white healing light around you. And this is 
such an invaluable tool when it comes to strengthening your psychic defenses, protecting yourself during a ritual, cleaning out your aura against psychic vampires. Uh, It's a really, really good practice to, you know, get in the habit of, especially if it's like you're not even doing a spell and and you're going to bed. I always tell clients, visualize yourself in a ball of white light. Visualize yourself inhaling that white light and exhaling black smoke until it turns gray, until it turns white, because that means you're coming from a pure place. That means your aura is clear and the energy that you're working with and that's around you is clear. So that's how you activate your protection in a ritual, in a spell, but also just in life. If you do this before bed every night, you're going to build up your psychic defense. This is really helpful for empaths who tend to pick up other people's emotions and energy throughout their day. Imagining this bubble around you or activating it through thought will really help set a barrier between you and other people. And it doesn't necessarily mean it will be there all the time because some people don't want to lose that connection. It just means that when you want it to be there, it'll be there to sort of protect you and and cushion you from whatever it is that you don't want coming into your space. If you are going to do this like white light during uh during a spell, you know, so this is how you cast your circle, get in the ball of white light, then sort of do your spell work, get your candle ready, write your petition. Uh, you don't have to sit in your little bubble until the spell is done, until the candle's done burning. You can just sort of thank your guys, thank the other side, and then go about go about your day. You know, you can sort of try to release energy a little bit or you can keep it up. It's whatever feels right for you. Just ask the universe to sort of hear you and take, to just sort of hear hear you and provide guidance on your path. One thing that you need to keep in mind with manifestation is that there's going to be work that goes along with it. You know, it's not like, oh, you do a spell for a new job and then all of a sudden you have a new job. It's like you have, you do a new spell, you do a spell for a new job and then maybe you hear about a job opportunity and then you have to apply. So you have to sort of still do some real world work. It's not just make a wish and then it happens. Like you really still have to, you know, bust your ass in the real world. When it comes to the manifestation of a specific thing. Another cool thing that I really love to do is to, in my spell, get a little clear quartz and put it next to my candle as it's sort of burning and as my spell work is unfolding. And I will always cleanse this quartz before I use it. If you want to cleanse your crystals, by the way, leave them in the sun for 24 hours or well, the sun doesn't last for 24 hours, but um, leave them outside for a full 24 hours, sunlight into moonlight, because the sun is going to basically cleanse your crystals and the moon is going to charge them. You can also sun charge crystals like citrine or carnelian or anything that has like a red, orange or yellow or sort of fiery color to it that's going to have more fun charging under the sun than under the moon. So that's getting into crystals a little bit, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. Getting back to the quartz though, put it next to your candle, let it sit throughout the spell, and then carry that quartz while you're manifesting this, while you're trying to manifest this specific thing, especially if it's like a job opportunity, then I would bring that quartz to different, that quartz to different interviews and things like that. Or if it's like you're trying to find 
your soulmate, then I would bring that quartz on like little dates or if I'm going to a party or I know I could meet someone, that's when I would carry it. So that's called programming quartz. When you're done, once the spell's manifested or you have decided that you don't really want that thing anymore, then I would cleanse it before using it again. Because once you've programmed some quartz, like you need to clear it out before you use it again because it's pretty much just like recording over, recording on a blank tape or like a, I guess like burning a CD, you know, whatever technology is now extinct. When it comes to crystals that have to do with manifestation on their own, garnet is my favorite because it's affiliated with the root chakra, but it also helps us to improve upon our relationship with reality, which is extremely important for manifestation because we need to be able to interact with tangible and physical energy in a way that's conducive to making our dreams come true. And garnet's really good for that. It's also a great stone for gratitude and just grounding in general. And I, you can actually get those in my crystal kit, which you can buy at rainbowglitterstar.com. If you haven't been to my website yet, it's full of wonderful crystals, a house cleansing uh, kit, mercury retrograde survival kit, which Mercury retrograde starts on October 13th. So this concludes my little tutorial of manifestation magic. I will have more information for you next week, though. Next week, I have an interview with the lovely Sarah Potter, who is a color magician, and she's going to sort of walk us through the different logistics of what each different color means and how to sort of work with color magic, which will help you when it comes to picking a candle color for your manifestation spells. Please don't forget to leave a five-star written review for the Glittercast on Apple Podcasts. I will be entering anyone who sends me a screenshot of their written review into a monthly drawing, which will include crystals, crystal kits, spell kits, and psychic readings. And... Next month for my first drawing, I am drawing five prizes. So you'll really want to get your reviews in before I hit that point, because after that, it's just one winner a month. So get those reviews in. You can find me online on Instagram at the Glittercast and at Rainbow Glitter Star. And again, please check out my website, rainbowglitterstar.com. You can get more information about the types of readings I offer as well as peruse my delightful witchy wares. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for listening to me and for giving me your time and your attention. I hope you have a wonderful week. And don't forget to cast your own glitter. Glitter.